0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Well, Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Verses 1 through 21. And this morning we're beginning our summer teaching series that we've entitled The Parables of Jesus. We're going to plan by God's grace to spend most of the summer going through several of his parables. And the word parable literally means to throw or to cast alongside of, like taking a ball and casting it alongside of something. And Jesus often through a story alongside of one of his heavenly truths as he was teaching. And later in our text, we're, we're going to see how he explains why he often taught in parables. And, you know, during Jesus's earthly ministry, he was, he was what I would call a master teacher. Um, he, he had a way of capturing attention. He had a way of capturing hearts and the attention of the people and it wasn't because he was charming and it wasn't because he was entertaining but Matthew 7:28 says that the crowds were astonished when they heard his teaching why for he was teaching them as one who had authority jesus spoke with authority because he was the son of god he spoke with the authority of the son of god and and there was a season in his ministry where he was extremely popular. He was highly sought after. And the crowds would often crush in on him and smother him when they were following him. And uh, these crowds consisted of people who loved him, and they literally worshipped him. And there were also those who hated him and literally wanted him dead. And then there were those that were in between. Um, Jesus is one of those types of people back then and today who divides people, asking the question of, who is he? John 7 talks about uh, how Jesus, when he went up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, that the crowds were muttering about him. Some said, Jesus, he is a good man. And others said, no, 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 no. He leads the people astray. But at that Passover, the people were hanging on his words. And they were listening to him intently. And the leaders, the Jewish leaders, were so jealous of him that they sent the temple guard to arrest him. And if you remember, they come back empty-handed. They didn't arrest him. And the Pharisees said, why didn't you bring him in? And what do they answer? They answer, no one ever spoke like this man. We, We literally couldn't do what you told us to do. Because after we heard him speak, we realize there's no one that is like him. And this morning, we get the privilege of opening his words that are recorded in the scripture. And Jesus did not just talk to talk. When he spoke, he says, my words are either going to lead you to eternal life or they will be judgment. And so this morning, as we begin in his words, I want to pray for us that we would be on the side of eternal life by the end of of today. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning as we come together, we get to explore the words that you have spoken and that you have recorded through your apostles. Words of life to those who receive your words. And so Lord, I ask that this morning as we continue in this service that you would give us eyes to see. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. I pray that you'd give us hearts that understand. Lord, I ask that you would help us to receive your word, that it would be planted deep within us, that we would endure and that we would bear much fruit and so prove to be your disciples. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, the, the parable that I'm beginning with is relatively famous. Um, it has three main objects in it that Jesus, is, that Jesus uses to illustrate his truth. There is a sower, there is a seed, or there's seed, and there are four types of soil. This, this parable has often been called the parable of the sower, or the parable of the sower and the seed. This morning, I've chosen the title, the parable of the four soils. Because Jesus is going to be addressing four types of people. And I want you to understand, this parable is meant for everybody in the room. You are one of these four soils. And as you're listening this morning, I want to I ask you to assess yourself. Which soil am I this morning? And then that, I've been praying that we would appropriately respond as we hear God's word. So let's jump into the parable beginning with Mark chapter 4. four beginning with verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and, he, and as he sowed, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold verse 9 and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear now this is a story that jesus told that would his audience would have easily related to because they were a farming and agric- agricultural society And they were well acquainted with the process of sowing seed and reaping a harvest. And in Jesus' day, a farmer would go out and till the field. That is, they would break it up. They would prepare the ground to receive the seed that they were trying to sow. Often it would be, the plow would be pulled by one or two oxen. And the fields back in the days were long, narrow strips, of field and then th- and then they were bordered by a pathway where the farmers would walk around on it and it would harden the pathway. And, and if you've ever uh, planted seed, you might realize there's several ways to plant plant it. One way is to take a stick and to gouge it into the ground, create a hole and put your seed in it and then cover it up. And then a second way would be to broadcast it, would be to to throw it out. And this is the way that Jesus is talking about in, the, in this parable. It's, it's kind of like planting grass. I don't know if you've ever seeded your lawn, but there is a skill. And I want you to understand this morning, I'm giving you pro tips this morning that you can take home with you. I ain't playing here, okay? So when you do your, when you do your grass, what you need to do is you need to break up the soil, and you need to remove rocks, you need to remove uh, weeds that are in it, Okay, that's step number number one. Number two, you need to put down lime, fertilizer, and seed. Lime, fertilizer, and seed. Now, which order do you do that in? I used to do it in that order, but I realized that's not the right order to do it. You put the seed down first. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you're going to remember about this sermon, isn't it? <laughs> so that so that when you put the lime and the fertilizer down, you walk on top of it and you pack it into the soil. You get the seed down into the soil. I didn't know that until uh, somebody that knew what they were doing told me how to do it. Uh, But that's pro tip number one. And so as you apply the seed with a broadcaster, uh, you can do it like we do it with, a, with one of those push thingies, or you can have a pouch and, and throw it out this way. And inevitably, when you're, when you're throwing it out, you want it to go into the good soil, but inevitably, where does it go? It goes on the sidewalk or it goes into places in the weeds uh, that you didn't mean for it to go. And um, this, is, this is something that, that in this parable, Jesus is wanting us to see. There are four areas that the seed goes, but only one of them is the one that he he says is the one that will produce true fruit. And the first one is the pathway, and it's an area that has been hardened by foot traffic, and, it, and because the ground is so hard, the seed just lays on top, and it's unable to penetrate into the earth, so it's left susceptible to birds coming and eating it or being blown away by the wind. The second soil is the rocky soil, it's probably a section that's uh, plowed where uh, it could be a bunch of rocks with a little bit of soil under it or a little bit of soil on top of a bunch of rocks. But there's also, have you ever planted grass and you didn't see a big rock and you put, there's just a little bit of dirt on it, but over time uh, when you've planted on it, it the, the grass doesn't take root there. And then you see the rock later and you have to remove the rock and then plant. That's, that may be the picture of what's going on here. But the point is, is that the seed doesn't have soil and to be able to get its roots down into it. And so when the sun rises on it, it bakes the ground and the plant shrivels and dies. The third soil is filled with thorns and weeds. This could have been on the outer edges of the walkway, or it could be a section within the field where instead of the, the farmer weeding the garden like he should have, he was lazy and so he, he basically took the weeds, and he plowed them into the soil. This is pro tip number two. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Write that down. Don't do that. Weeds cannot be managed by allowing them to stay within the garden. They must be totally uprooted and removed. And you can even chop them up when you're, so, when you're plowing, and for a time, they look good. I don't know if you've ever planted a garden and done that. I have. I have. And, you know, it's like the next day I see, like, something coming through, I'm like, oh, my seed's already coming through. But it's only the weed, really, that's coming through. But the weeds need to be removed. They always grow back. And the problem with a weed is they end up taking over. They end up robbing the plant of its nutrients and preventing it from growing to maturity. They keep it from bearing fruit. So the, the first three soils I want to point out The point that Jesus is making is they do not bear fruit. Some start out good, but in the end, they don't bear fruit. But then there's the fourth soil, which is the good soil. And it has been properly prepared. It's been broken up. The rocks have been removed from it. The weeds have been removed. It's moist and fertile and the seed is able to penetrate and it's protected from the birds. It's protected from the sunlight. and it isn't in competition with crabgrass and dandelions. It's able to properly germinate, take root, and eventually spring up and produce an abundant crop that's useful for the one who sowed it. And so that's, that's the parable. That's the narrative that Jesus throws alongside of the truth that he is teaching. And so that leads us to the question of what is Jesus wanting to teach in this truth? What does this parable mean? And you know, that's what the disciples ask in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around with him, those around him with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, did you hear what Jesus just said? Back in the, the day it was it was common for Jewish rabbis to teach in parables. And their primary purpose to teach in parables was to help their students remember and to better understand things that were being taught. But that's, did you see that that's not what Jesus says here? He doesn't say, you know, I teach parables because good stories help you stay engaged with what I'm saying so that that you can better grasp what I'm teaching. Rather, he says, my parables are meant to conceal truth from some and reveal it to others. Now, why does he say that? Well, if you go back to verse two, it says, and in his teaching, he said to them, verse three, he says, listen. Hey, listen. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to say. And then he goes into the parable. And then in verse nine, what does he say? He who has ears to hear, Let him hear. Now, if I were to go around the room this morning and ask you, what does that mean? What does it mean that when Jesus says to have ears to hear, what would you say? That's important. That is something that we need to understand to unlock this parable here. And Jesus is not talking about having physical ears. He's talking about spiritual ears. He's talking about listening to his word with the intent of believing it, listening with a believing heart, listening with a heart that intends to respond to his word. You know, we can gather week after week and hear the word, but not hear it if we don't listen to respond. And when it comes to the kingdom of heaven and having ears to hear, there are two sides. There's the inside and there is the outside. There's the inside and there's the outside. Jesus says to his disciples, you guys are on the inside. You guys have ears to hear. Not because you're better than everybody, but because you are abiding in my word. But those who are not inside, they are outside. Because they, listen, they have chosen to stay at a distance from me. And they won't come to me. They, they refuse to draw near to Jesus and, and sit down by the fire. They, they refuse to make themselves known and to get to know him on a deeper level. And it's as, it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, look, if you don't want to come close to me, if you don't want to, to come to me and to really know me, then when we're in public, and you're just wanting to walk by and, and get my truths, you're not going to get them that way. I'm going to speak in parables in public. My, my parables are going to be seem like mysteries or, or seem like that they, they don't make sense or that I'm a crazy man. But I will reveal my true self, my true heart, my glory. I will reveal my father to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, to those who make me a priority. And so I believe that this parable is meant to accomplish at least two things. Jesus' parables were meant to accomplish two things. Number one, they are a form of judgment on those who let Jesus' words go in one ear and out the other. And they also bring insight and eternal life to those who cherish him and his word. John MacArthur says, speaking of having ears to hear and eyes to see, he says, although Jesus was presenting the parables in a way that would obscure the truth from unbelieving ears, no one was excluded against his or her will. Anyone who truly wanted to understand could have asked. Those who believed would seek the truth and find it. For those who did not believe, the parables would only further conceal the truth their spiritual blindness was compounded by their own unbelief and then further deepened by divine judgment. And so now we're at the heart of of the meaning of this parable. And and of the three subjects, you've got the the sower, you've got the seed, you've got the soil. There's nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It all has to do with the condition of the soil that Jesus is addressing. And as I said earlier, they represent four different types of hearts. And I'm asking you, as we unveil what each soil is, what, which one are you this morning? Identify yourself. And in verse 14, it says that the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. The question we need to answer here is, who is the sower? Uh, this is the only one that, that Jesus does not explain of the three. And I want to pause here and just say, as as we're going through parables, we've got to be careful as we are seeking to interpret a parable that we don't read more into it than Jesus intended. A lot of times we can take all the elements and think that every single element in the parable is meant to represent something. When Jesus, for the most part, he's just trying to make one or two points. But I don't think when we look at the sower, it, that it... That even though Jesus doesn't identify who it is, I think that we can safely conclude that the sower represents God or anyone that shares God's word faithfully. So this could be an evangelist. This could be a faithful disciple. This could be me this morning as I am sharing the word of God. As long as we, and this this is encouraging to me, and and that is this, that as long as we are faithfully Sharing the Word of God. God says that He will use it to bring about His purposes. We are just literally delivering the message. He is the one that uses it according to His purposes. So it says in verse 14, the sower sows the Word. This is a change in Jesus' parable. He would he said in the beginning, the sower sows the seed. He no longer calls it seed, he calls it the word of God, which is the good news about the kingdom of God. Of heaven. And in verse 15, he begins to explain each soil. And these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the Word that is sown in them. This is a person who has an unbelieving heart. This is someone whose heart is hard, it's obstinate, it's hostile towards God and His Word. This is someone who, instead of seeking to understand Jesus and and to embrace his truth, they're always looking for a reason why not to believe. It's the person that's the skeptic. They're always seeking to somehow try to dismantle the word of God or to paint God in an unfavorable light. This is the, the person that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to, but they're always Resisting him. They've put their fingers in their ears and they've closed their eyes. John 3.19 says, Jesus describes this person in in John 3.19. It says, They love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Jesus reveals in this parable that Satan is behind it. He's blinded them. He's convinced them that there's something wrong with the seed. Thus they remain in unbelief and they are unable to be saved. I want to just stop here and say, hey, you know, if you know somebody like that, you might be tempted to give up on them. But I want to encourage you, don't give up on somebody like that. Because you know what? The truth is, that was all of us at one point. That was our condition at one time until we were drawn to Jesus through his kindness the kindness that leads to repentance. And so we don't know what God is doing in somebody else's heart and mind. Just be faithful to live and deliver the word faithfully. You never know. Jesus continues on in this parable, verse 16, and he says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the person that they hear the gospel, they hear the good news about Jesus Christ, they hear about forgiveness, they hear about mercy, they hear about grace, they hear about the kingdom of heaven, all these good things, but they don't hear about or they don't listen to that it doesn't mean your life is always going to get better. They, uh, it springs up in a soil of emotion. They respond in emotion. And, and as we all know, emotion goes up, it goes down, and it changes. And so they don't last. And when following Jesus gets difficult, they turn back. And, you know, sometimes um, when we are, when I've dealt with people and I have seen uh, that they believe because they believe Jesus is going to, to fix something in their life. They come to Jesus, maybe their marriage is on the rocks. Jesus is going to fix my, my marriage. Oh, he's going to fix my children. If I come to Jesus, He's going to fix my finances. But then, when they don't get what they're really hoping for, they turn back and go to their previous way of life. Do you, do you ever, um, are you like me, do you ever wonder if you have... The faith that lasts? Do you ever wonder if you have the faith that that you... ah. Do you ever wonder if you possess saving faith? Well, one of the ways that we know that we have saving faith is how we respond to trials that come into our lives. Because what God does is he often allows trials to come into our lives to test us to show us where we're at. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, In your salvation you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness Of your faith, see that? The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. True saving faith perseveres and produces true fruit that lasts. Verse 18, Jesus continues He says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the the person whose affections and loyalties are divided. This is the person that's trying to make room for Jesus in their life while holding on to other, other loves. They, they profess their love for the Savior, but they still love the world. And they get bogged down with the, the worldly cares, deceitful riches, and desires for other things. It's like someone who's married, but still wants to have a, a girlfriend or girlfriends on the side. Um, Jesus says that no man can serve two masters. He says it's either me or it's them. He says, I will not share you with another. And so this is the heart that seeks to hold on to everything, but in the end loses it all and does not produce fruit. And then in verse 20, we get to the fourth soil. But those that are, were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirty-fold, thirty-fold. 60-fold and 100-fold. In ancient times, if a farmer, if the, if the seed produced 10-fold, they thought, man, this is a great harvest. Here, it's even, it's three times, uh, six times and 100 times that. Um, Luke eight fifteen adds to this. This is where Jesus tells this parable in all three synoptic gospels. In Matthew 13, here, and then in Luke chapter 8. He says, these are the ones who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And so this soil represents the heart of a true believer, which is clearly marked by three things. Number one, they hear the word and accept it. They value it. They hold fast to it. They hold fast to the word of Christ. They take it to heart. They humbly respond to it. In other words, they take Jesus seriously. Secondly, they persevere. That's a very important part of this parable. Jesus talks about it, persevering. Jesus says elsewhere that those who persevere to the end will be saved. And John 8.31 says, If... He's talking to those who professed him. He said, If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not merely those who profess, but those who possess the genuine faith that enables them to persevere who will be saved. The third thing that Jesus points out here is that they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I believe that the point he's making here is that it's obvious by the way this person lives their life that they are his. Their life stands out in such a way that it reveals the testimony of Jesus. It, It reveals that God is at work in their life because they walk, they talk, they think like Jesus They bear fruit. And this morning, as you've been listening to those four soils, which one are you this morning? Where would you say you are in all of this? Is your life bearing fruit? Are you the fourth soil, the good soil? And you know, one of the mistakes that we can make when we read this passage is we can look at it and go, you know, this is a a good person. This is a good person that... They heard the word of God and it landed on them, and because they were a good person, it produced fruit. But church, let let me remind us all that uh, if we truly are in Christ, it's not because we thought, man, you know, I'm I'm good and I just want to hang out with Jesus now. Two good people hanging out. That's not, it's, it's actually the opposite We came to Jesus because we realized we are not good enough. We we came to Jesus because our hearts were hardened just like the pathway. We were often led by our feelings and our emotions like the rocky soil. We loved the world. We were chasing other things like the soil filled with thorns. But at some point, And this is the great mystery. I don't know how it happens, but our eyes were opened to who Jesus is. At some point, we saw his beauty. We saw his glory. We saw his purity, his perfection. And at the same time, we saw our depravity. But we didn't leave. We stayed. Why? Because we took him at his word when he said, I didn't come for those who are healthy. I came for those who are sick. I came for the unrighteous, not the righteous. And when we realized that, we could freely say, "I I am the wicked, unrighteous that needs a Savior. We fell at his feet, and what did we do? We accepted his mercy and his forgiveness. We believed, and he created a clean heart. In us. We did not create a clean heart in us. The psalmist says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, even as after we come to Jesus and we are the fourth soil, have you ever noticed you still struggle with the first three? And there's times that my heart gets hard. There's times that my emotions, man, I'm going to do this for God, I'm going to do this. The next day, I'm like, what was I thinking? Well, I get distracted by something in the world. And what do you do? You do the same thing you did at the beginning. God, have mercy on me. I want to come to you knowing that you will receive me, and you come back. So this, this, this parable is meant for those who have never put their faith in Jesus, and it's meant for all of us who have to be reminded, to come To Jesus on a daily basis to forsake the world to abide in his word and persevere and bear fruit he who has ears to hear let him hear amen let's pray as Caleb comes father I thank you again for your precious word Um, Lord there is nothing wrong with your word your word leads to life to those who will receive it. I ask again that you would help us to remember that, that you would help us to hold fast to you, knowing that in the end we will not be disappointed. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.